1: Apologies, I forgot something, but that happens. You guys, from time to time, man, I'm glad you guys are here. And um, if you're joining us online, an app or a podcast, thank you so much for being here with us as well. And as always, I just want to invite all of you, if you could get out your Bibles or get out a Bible app. And I want you to go to the book of Exodus. That is the second book in the Bible. Go to chapter 4. We're going to be looking at a couple of verses in Exodus chapter four, and um, well, just by just some of you may be thinking, "Hey, I thought we were going through the the book of Corinthians." We'll get back into the book of Corinthians next week, but we're kind of taking a break this one week specifically. We'll look at Exodus because we are celebrating our Missions Impact Conference. And so every year we, we do that, and it's just a, a highlight of our church and what we do. If you've been here very long at all at Silverdale, you know that missions is a big part of this church. We are missions church. In fact, as I said a little bit earlier, um, I am here at this church because of this mission conference. Well, because of God, but God used this mission conference in a mighty way in my life, and I've been here now for, for, for a minute. But uh, we have dozens of missionaries and missionary partners that we send out of this church. They come out of this church. They serve all over the world, the, the Muslims, the Buddhists, amen, H- Hindus, many in the post-Christian world. And We've been blessed to plant churches in New York, South Dakota, Dominican Republic, many other places. We've been in, been blessed to be a part of that. But not only do we um, serve and send and give to missions on, on in other countries, we do a lot of things locally. We got yeah, we got a lot of local mission partners. We're able to feed those who are hungry, house the homeless, medical clinics for those who have a low income, mentoring young men and women who are at Risk and um, some of you know this, but this is something I don't know. I, I it, it, it gives it just it just it just delights me when I think of this. We every year as a people of God, we give over one million dollars a year to missions. That's what we do. That's what you do. As 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 we give. The question is, and why why why, why do we do that? You know, that's that's that that's money. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? We do that fundamentally because our Lord and Savior, Jesus, said what? Go. and Go. You go tell people about the person and works of Jesus, and that is our heart. That is the heartbeat of our church. We want those who do not know Jesus to hear about Jesus. We want God to save. We want Christ to be glorified. We want church to be planted. We want those who do not know to hear of the hope of Jesus Christ. We do. So we orient, we orient, we orient ourselves around that as a church and individuals, that's what what we do. And we may say, yeah, amen, we get that, we get that. But one question that often comes up is is this, um, how? How how can we do that? How can I do it? How can my family do it? Well, that's what we want to look at today. And that's why we're pausing, and we'll get back into 1 Corinthians next week, because I want to look at this passage in Exodus. There's a... Little story there in Exodus. You got this man named Moses. And God calls Moses. He gets he places a call on Moses. He says, he says, Moses, I'm calling you to deliver my people, Israel, out of the bondage that they're in. And it's an interesting story. Not for, well, uh, yeah. Words seem to fail me when you interesting. That's a weak word, right? It's more than interesting, it's divine, but it's beautiful. And you got this guy, Moses, and God puts a call on him. He's 80 years old. Not only that, he's a fugitive. He's a fugitive from Egypt. That man, Moses, he doesn't kill the guy. And he's living with his father-in-law, Jethro. Well, really, he's keeping his father-in-law's sheep, and he's living way out in the middle of nowhere. And that's, that's Moses, because you got this, this guy, Moses, being called by God. Now, all these indicators, and there's some other indicators, you would think Moses does not appear to be an individual that the living God might call to do such a big task. That's not lost on Moses. That's not lost on Moses. You see, what Moses does when God calls him, puts this call on his life, he calls him, Moses begins to give God a lot of excuses. He starts giving all these excuses, thinking of ways that he might get out of the call that God has placed on his life. Once again, not uncommon. We do stuff like that, and one way or another, I think all—if you're a Christian, you've all done. We've all—I've done that. And God says, "I want you to do this." God calls you to do this, and the first thing we tend to do, we tend to think, "Hey, I'm going to make an excuse. I want to get out of this. I don't think I'm the person to do this." And so Moses says stuff. Moses says stuff like Moses. Moses goes. Moses, Moses goes. Hey, God, 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 I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this call. That's true, Moses. That's true, you're not worthy. You ain't no, nobody here worthy. No one's worthy, right? Moses, Moses goes, hey God, I'm not really good with words. Yeah, you're not, Moses. You're not good with words. But once again, that don't negate the call of God. Then he uses one of the most classic examples that we use today. You know, Moses says something, Moses goes, Moses goes, Moses goes, hey, God, 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 God. Send somebody else. Yeah, that's classic. We say that stuff. You feel the call to do something, to serve, to be involved, maybe to go, to do something that you have not done before the Living God calls you, and you know He's calling you, He's sitting on you, and you say, I hear you, God, but could you send another individual? And so He's arguing with God. Once again, we all do that, or have done that. But in the midst of this, this calling that God's placed on Him, and He's making all these excuses. Um, God asked Moses a really interesting question. And the question is this, we'll look at it in a moment, but God says in the middle of all this, he goes, Moses, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? That's interesting because God was not lacking knowledge. I mean, God knew what was in his hand. He did not need Moses to inform him what was in his hand. God was asking him that question because there's something that Moses needed to understand. He's given these excuses. Excuses. God says, I want you to understand something. And so we can draw out of that. There's something that God wants us to understand, right? Because we all make an excuse. God's placing calls on us. God's asking us to do something, things. Maybe we make an excuse. Maybe you make an excuses. And God can still ask that same question to you and I. Hey, 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 what's in your hand, man? So that's what I want to examine i want to examine that because i believe that when we're making excuses there's something god would want us to know and i think it can be answered by this simple question what's in your hand so we're just going to walk through this and it taught moses something and i think it's going to teach us something all right so let's get to it exodus chapter 4 starting in verse 1 first thing we're going to see really is god's call god's call responding in faith all right let's respond in faith So God calls Moses, he gives all these lame, true excuses, right? I can't speak, I'm not worthy, send somebody else, make excuses. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered. So he's, he's still arguing with God, okay? All right, here's the next excuse. But behold, they, that's the people, will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Okay, so that's the excuse. That's, that's the excuse. People, God, people are not going to believe me, all right? you know, People are not going to believe what I say, right? They're not going to believe me, God. Once again, we can use those excuses. But we see right here, Moses is not struggling with the message. That's not a struggle. Moses' struggle is with the messenger, right? We, we, we can do that, right? Hey, God, listen, 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 listen. I won't... It to be done. The thing that you want to be done, I want that to be accomplished. It's a good thing, God. That's a good thing that what you want to do, God, that's a good thing. But what I want you to know, God, is I'm not the man to do it. I'm not the person. The struggle is with me, right? That's what he's saying, right? You, you You don't got the right person, God. God, you made a mistake. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, telling God he made a mistake? Well, I can't imagine it. Friends, because I've done that before. Now, God, you made a mistake. I made a mistake. Somewhere you did not calculate correctly. Somewhere you're missing something. God, I see something that you do not see. What I see is that I can't do that, and I want you to know Moses is concerned about his credibility. His credibility. My credib- I, I, I can't do this. My, my, people are not going to believe me. Once again, I would say I think that's one of our main struggles as well. It is. We struggle with our credibility. We, we absolutely do. You can take the gospel as an example, okay? Because if you're a Christian, we all, we all love, we love the gospel. We're saved, by the, we're saved by Jesus, but we heard about him through the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel. We want the nations to hear. We all want everybody to hear. I don't struggle with that. What I struggle with is that you're asking me to be the one to deliver the message. You're going to believe me. You know, people saw me do this or do that. Whatever, you struggle, we struggle, we struggle. And I'm going to be honest with you. That's one of my, I, I've struggled with this mightily. Insecurities. As long as, I'm not, as I'm studying this, and just comes up in me. But I just share my struggle, man. It's my struggle. Let me, let, me, let me just say this, all right? In case you do not know this, um, I I don't, I don't, I don't look like, you know, what a lot of people think a pastor should look like. All right? It's not lost on me. No, I know, I know. Some of you, some of you, I'm the only pastor you ever had. You think this is what a pastor's supposed to look like. Thank you. I like you guys a lot. I just want to hug you. you. You see another pastor, and you're like, that guy don't look normal. All right. But it's not lost on me. It's not lost on me. And I, get, I have some, I've had insecurities about that. And I remember I came here to this church. I'm a pastor, and get invited to pastor luncheons. Pastors, you would be surprised how many you know, pastors get invited to eat. Okay, a luncheon with other pastors. And I'm like, I'm going to go there, but no one's going to believe I'm a pastor. Nobody's going to believe that. They ain't going to believe that. One time I was going out to a hospital visit. You go to a hospital visit, and I go down there, and you got the receptionist there. And I'm like, hey, can you give me the room to so-and-so? I said their name. And they're like, they gave me, well, they asked me this, what is your relation to the patient? And I go, I'm their Pastor. And they gave me the weird look, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, you know, no, no, listen. I, I said this, I like, go, listen, I'm a real pastor and I'm even at a real church. Like, it's not make-believe, it's a real church. You can Google that stuff, my picture, what's well, on there. But you get worried, right? You get these insecurities, right? You got all this stuff. Here's what I've learned. I can, and you can worry too much about being accepted and not worry enough about the ministry, you know? Because I'm thinking this, if, if I'm gonna wait for everyone to think I look like a pastor to actually do the ministry that I've been called to do, I'm gonna be waiting a very long time and then none of you gonna get, no, no, you, I'm not gonna visit any of you in the hospital if I'm gonna wait for that person up there to think I look like a pastor. You gotta get over it. Our fear of acceptance can be a great hindrance to ministry. I think the reality is many Christians are unfruitful because they do not believe they are qualified to do what God has called them to do. we got a tendency, you know. We, here's what we want to do. God calls me, he asks me, he directs me to do something, and then I look in and of myself and try to find the resources in me thinking that I can accomplish what he's asked me to do. What we fail to realize is you do not, and I do not possess the ability to do what God has asked us to do. We don't, man. I have never been able to do what God has asked me to do. So what does that mean? What it mean to Moses, and what it means to you and me, you gotta respond in faith. You gotta respond in faith. God's the caller. <laughs> We're the obeyer, you know what I mean? By God's grace, he will gift you. And if he doesn't gift you specifically, you know what else he does? I've seen this. I see it here. God will give you other brothers and sisters who have a gift, and you walk together. It's a family affair. You know what I'm saying? you got to have faith. All right. God's call, respond in faith. Two, next, God's provision. We're going to get to the question. Using what is in your hand. you am going to use with your hand. Before I get to the text, I want to share with you just, um, I hope this is helpful. I've shared it before. But just kind of a principle that I live by. I believe this. The provision is found in the harvest. I believe that. I absolutely believe that. You know, everything we need is, is right here, right? If the church needs something, the need's gonna be met by the people and if the people can't meet that need, God 's going to save some people who can't meet that need they're going to join the church that 's what I believe and I can give you lots of examples I give you some exa- I'll give you some examples because I want you to understand this it's not our ability it's our God, you know Amen. So I need something I need something I need stuff I need a church as a week in an area and I pray for it and God, God answers. I, um, Silverdale Saturday nights, you know in a month or so the service, Silverdale Saturday night says Celebrating 10 years. I remember early on, a, you had a lot, of, a lot of young men and women, and, and I was like, I was thinking, I was like, God, I could really use, man, um, some men who have had more experience in ministry to join the service, and be a part of the service. This is what I thought. And so I asked God. I asked God. I said, God's my need. Next week, This man and his wife, a man named Dr. Bill Belva, he's right there, and his beautiful wife, they walk in the door. And I went up to him, and I said, Dr. Bill." and by the way, he's a retired pastor. He's been pastoring for many, many years. And I said, listen, um, i got a need here, and um, I would love for you to answer a prayer. And he said, I'll go pray about it because that's what, you know, godly men do. They don't just say yes when a nut says, ask him something. He came back the next week and him and his wife, they've, they've, they've never left us. I praise God for that. I, I wasn't, he just asked God. Another time I was at Silverdale, St. Elmo. Silverdale, St. Elmo, we start that, start that and I'm preaching and we got all these young kids running around. We got another student minister and I took it to God. I said, God, I go, God, I go, God, man, I need someone to lead the students. Next week, a young man from St. Elmo area comes to church, and he starts talking to me. He's going to school. He wants to be a student minister. And I said, said, would you like to lead the students here, Um, and you won't get paid. And it's a lot of work. And he said, let me pray about it. And he came back, and he said, yes. And now he's the student pastor here at Silverdale. That's what God does. That's what God does. That's what God does, right? The resources are in the harvest. We're going to see this principle. Look at this, verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, that's Moses. Moses, I've been given these excuses. Here's the question. What is that in your hand? He, that's Moses, said to God, a staff, right? What's in your hand, Moses? What do you have in your hand, it's a staff. Specifically, it's a shepherd's staff. And I'm telling you right now, besides the clothes he's wearing, that's all Moses got. He got a staff. That's what he got. He's got a staff. And that staff, I want you to understand, that staff meant a lot to Moses. It provided a lot to Moses. I was thinking about all the things the staff provided to Moses, a lot of things. That was the staff provided stability. You, an, <laughs> you got an 80-year-old man shepherding sheep. You're going to need something for some stability, Right? You got the staff. He can lean on the staff. The staff helps him every day. Staff, staff, staff gives you protection. Got some wild animals coming up. Got bears, lions, whatever, thieves, robbers. You're going to crack them. Got my staff. It's protection. That staff provided meaning, right? It's his identity. He's a shepherd, right? For 40 years, that staff was his identity, his purpose, his significance. It provided authority. It absolutely provided authority. You see a man with a staff and the sheep, you understand that he is in charge of them. That's his authority there. So in that one staff, he's got security, he's got protection, he's got meaning, he's got authority. It's all wrapped up in that staff. Now, let me say this. Moses isn't unique. Christian, he's not unique because we all got staff, a staff or staffs, that we can trust him. We're gonna get security, protection, and meaning and authority from, right? It can be all sorts of things. It can be a relationship. Maybe you got a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a significant other. You got, you're got all wrapped up. That's my identity. Maybe it's possession. You wanna see what I own, man? Well, see what I own? I got a car, I got these clothes, I got this, I don't know, video game. People, I don't know. That's that's my my possession, my stuff. I got a job. What's my title, man? This is what I do. That's what I get my identity from, my security there, you know, whatever. And then we all money, 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 money. We got lot of money. Money is a protection, safety, all that stuff, right? So that's Moses. That's it's all there, right? That's his staff. I got my staff in my hand. Now look at the First part of verse 3. And he said, That's God. He got the staff. Was, check out God. God goes, God goes, throw it on the ground. Throw it on the ground. That's God. That thing that you trust in gives you protection, gives you meaning, gives you authority. Moses, I want you to throw it on. Throw it down. Throw it down. Now, at that point, Moses got two options same options you and I got and Then there's always the same options you can say no I'm my staff, it's a pretty staff it's a nice staff, I'll keep my staff God, I'm going to keep my staff and my staff once again I believe everyone here can relate to that because we all try to we like our staff, whatever it might be option number two you can say yes Christian you do understand that you can always say yes to God, you can yes, alright so Moses got those two choices, all right? Yes, no. But here's the point. When God says, throw it down, God's saying, give it to me. Give it to me. Moses, in your hand, that is just a stick, but you give that stick to me, it's going to be a new stick. It's going to have the supernatural, and it's going to take place As long as you hold on to it, it's just a stick. Now, I'm going to tell you something real quick. I want you to understand. I'm not just talking about Moses' stick here. All right? I'm talking about your stick my stick. That's what we got to understand. It's so easy to read the Bible and push it off on other people, right? God's talking to me, and he's talking to you, all right? Moses can say yes or no. What's he going to do with that stick? Verse 3, second half, here's what he does. So he, Moses, look what he does threw it on the ground that my friend is obedience and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it now what's the, no seriously what's that about no seriously you've been there okay god no i was thinking about this god you told me to do this i did this but the result was not what i was anticipating you know wait wait go. Do we not already have enough snakes running around that i got to add to the snake population? And you can tell, man, Moses didn't think that was going to happen because what Moses did, he takes off. All right? But God's not done yet, okay? The call, respond in faith. The provision, use what's in your hand. Let's talk about the power. Believing in his word. Check it out. God's not done. Verse 4, first part. Look at this. Moses. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. This is crazy. Now, you guys are crazy. Now, God is asking Moses to do exactly the opposite of what his flesh is telling him to do, right? It is exactly opposite. The flesh says, run, run. God says, Moses, not only do I not want you to run, I want you to put your hand out and I w- And God's very specific here. Catch that snake by the tail. By the tail. I don't know if you ever caught a snake, ever been to a snake handling church or ever been taught how to handle a snake. I have some insight. Let me tell you something. You never catch a snake by its tail. No, everybody know that. You're gonna catch a snake, you don't grab the snake's tail. You don't do it. But you got God specifically here telling you, first of all, you don't wanna do that. Second of all, you want to interrupt God and in saying, hey, listen, ha- haven't you seen, I don't know, the Discovery ch- the animal planet? God, we don't pick up snakes like that. But God says, no, you do that. Once again, God's asking you to do something that doesn't seem logical, right? It's not logical, makes no sense. Once again, you got that, that decision. Am I going to obey my flesh or am I going to obey the living God? Now, I once again, just by way of reminder, so none of us, I don't know, think incorrectly. We all been there. Everyone here has had that option multiple times. It's gonna happen again. Are you gonna obey the flesh? The flesh is strong. The flesh is saying, don't do this or do this or whatever. You got God over here saying, do this. And you're looking at God and you're saying, it doesn't make sense. It's illogical. Who are you going to believe, your flesh or God? Look what Moses does. The rest of verse 4. So he, Moses, (laughs) come on, Moses put out his hand and he caught it. Look what happens. And it became a staff in his hand. So he obeys God. He grabs the tail of the snake and immediately it becomes a snake. Catch this, oh, guys. It 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 becomes a staff. But catch this. It's not the same staff he threw down. It is not the same staff he threw down. I'm gonna show you this in a moment, but it's not the same staff. It may look like the same staff, it may feel like the same staff, It may even smell like the same staff. I don't know, but it's not the same staff because when he threw it down, God did something to that staff. It was supernaturally, I don't know, transformed by the power of God. It's a new staff. He laid down the staff in his hand. He gave it to God. He obeyed God. He picks up the staff. It's a new staff. You say, Travis, how you know it's a new staff? It's in the text. Follow me here. Next thing we're going to see is God's confirmation. Trusting God's sovereignty. Now, I want you to go to verses 17 and 20. Here's here we, where we see it's a new staff. It's a different staff. It's a better staff. Verse 17. Here's what God says to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Look at verse 20. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. Here we go, check it out, church. And Moses took the staff, here we go, of God in his hand. It's a new staff. It's a new staff. It did say prior to throwing it down, the staff of Moses. Every time after that, it's called the staff of God. Why is that? When it's in Moses' hand, it's just a stick. You give it to God, pick it up. It's got some power. It's got some Power. It became living. It became powerful. It was now. Check out the stick. There's a staff. Staff of Moses. Staff of what? Staff of Moses? Do staff of Moses might have cracked some sheep heads. I don't know. Might have some stability. But that staff, the staff of God. Let me just tell you a few of the things that staff did. All right. I won't go into all of them. You can read Exodus. Read it twice. It's good, man. Read it for the rest of your life. That staff defeated the Egyptian sorcerers. It turns the water of Egypt into blood. It brings forth a plague of frogs. It brings forth a plague of gnats. It brings down thunder and hell. It brings down a plague of locusts. That staff was used by Moses by the power of God. You know what that staff did? That that, that staff split the Red Sea. Now, prior to him giving that over to God, like I said, it doesn't just crack some sheep heads. Give it to God, man, you part in the sea. One of the most beautiful things it did, and you can read it and study it, it brought water from a rock in the desert and it pointed to Jesus. That's what that staff did. Moses' staff, your staff, our staff's, mine, my hand, stick, man, a stick. This is a stick, it's a stick. You lay that down, give it to God. Power, man, power, power, power. So what's the take home? You know, there's a lot of stuff to take home. Here's what I would say. I don't know what's in your hand. now if you got something in your hand. I don't know what's in your hand. But whatever is in your hand, if it remains in your hand and your hand alone, it will hinder you, my friend. It will hinder you from being effective for the Lord. It's going to hinder every aspect of your life. As long as you're going, mine, 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 mine. I ain't going to give it to you, God. I ain't going to give it to you. I ain't going to give it to nobody. And mine, take a picture. I want it on Instagram because I look pretty with my things and my staff. It's going to hinder you. It's going to hinder your ministry, hinder your church. You lay that thing down, give it to God, take that thing back up, dedicate it to God. It will be used for His glory until the Lord takes you home. A simple staff given to God, release it. Okay, so we go back to, well, several things. I know this to be true. If you're a Christian, God had placed things on you, callings. When I say a calling, sometimes you think of a big thing. Maybe God's just at. no, seriously. One of the things God could be saying, placing on your heart, hey, help out in the children's ministry once a month. And you're like, you got the wrong person. You a the wrong person, God, I'm telling you. Whatever it may be, small to going to the ends of the earth, first thing you got to do, respond in faith. Yeah, okay, I got you, I'll do it. What's in your hand, believe in God's word and trust God's sovereignty. That's, the, that's what we can learn from this. Now, I want to take that and I want to bring it back to our missionaries today. I want to take what we've learned and I want to apply it to us. My desire, what I'm asking all of you to do is I want you to join our missionaries and commit to getting involved in missions. That's what I want you to commit to do. You say, okay, okay, I hear you, I hear you. I hear you, I hear you. You say, what are some of the commitments I can make? Well, I just want to go through some of the things. If you get out your worship guide, if I know where mine's at right here, and you go to where this outline, and I'm sure you all filled it in beautifully, um, go to the very bottom. On the right, if you're looking at it on the right hand side, and I think we might have a slide up here, these are some of the commitments I'm asking you to think about. Get involved, man. Get involved, man. Number one, first little circle there. By the way, I don't want to be heavy handed here, but I'm about to be heavy handed. If you consider me your pastor and this your church, I hope you all do. Number one, will you commit? to praying for mission initiatives and mission partners at Silverdale Baptist Church. We can all do that, guys. We can all do that. If you don't know missionaries, when you leave today, go out to lobby, meet a missionary. Meet a missionary, get their information, commit to praying for them. If you could just say, I'm going to do that. I I, I can do that. Two, they're next. Engage in mission work locally or globally over the next year. What does that mean? Can you commit to that? Can you commit to that? What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, locally, there's so many things you can get involved with your small group and serve the city. Man, you can prayer walk. You can prayer walk your neighborhood. I don't know, Miss Faye, You walk around your neighborhood. I guarantee you, those people are getting some prayers, right? You can pray around your neighborhood and get healthy at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Win-win. But maybe you want to go on a short-term mission trip. we got all sorts of short-term mission trips going, going on. Maybe you want to do that. Maybe with your family, locally or globally. You can check that. I'm going, get, I'm, going get, I'm going to get involved, man. I'm not only going to just pray. I'm going to do stuff locally or globally. I'm going to do that. And you got the third You got the third one there, continuing the conversation about next steps and being on mission. Meaning this, you feel God calling you to full-time missions. Hey, by the way, I've been there. It's scary. You don't even understand it. Don't understand it. But maybe you know you got that call. You want to know next steps. If that's you, if you're here today, if you're watching today, listening today, and that's you, let us know. You can mark that last box and what's going to happen is our mission team will get in contact with you and give you next steps. Um, I'm sorry, I gotta pause a minute. Is John Klusterheis here? Because I know, there he is. There he is. He's gonna walk up here. I tell you what, just walk across the stage. I'm joking, this is John. You can stay right there. This is John. John. No, seriously. John, when was the first time you met me? Right there, you walked into those front doors. It was during a missions conference, and you met me, man. What'd you tell me? You probably don't remember. Man, God me a mission. Man. That's what you said. But you weren't even specific. You told me the country. Yeah, yeah, specifically the Czech Republic. Amen. Where you live at now? I've been living in the Czech Republic for 10 years. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you for coming forward. I just. I just Anyway, thank you. You can sit back down. I love John. John lived in my neighborhood for a while. I'm a better man because of it. There's so many stories I want to tell you. I'll tell you this story. I'll wait. I'll just one time early in the morning I get a phone call and John, I'm telling the story. John calls me, he's got a job. He goes, Man, I'm locked out of my house. He goes, I'm locked out of my house and and, and I don't have a shirt on and I need a shirt. And he goes, You got a shirt? And I go, yeah, John, I got a shirt. It's early in the morning. And he rings my doorbell. He walks down the street. You he got, he got John, got no shirt on. Give me a shirt. He goes to work. So I'm talking about. I'm a better man because I know him. <laughs> That's how it works, though, people. That's how it works. God calls, we obey. And if that is you today and you're saying, I got a calling, mark that because we want to talk to you. All right. Sorry for that little rabbit trail. Let's keep going. Next thing I want you to look at is the neck on the left-hand side. It says faith commitment offering. And I'm asking all of you, all of you, many of you have been doing this, but I all of you to pray about supporting our missionaries. Every year, as I said, we, 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 we give over a million dollars to mission, missions. In fact, every dollar you give in your tithes and your offerings at this church, a portion of that goes straight out to missions. But the main way we raise monies for our missionaries is this, our faith commitment offering. We don't ask you to give one time. You can give one time. But we ask our congregation to give throughout the year on a monthly basis. And so I just ask you to pray, God, what can I give to missions? You can look down there some of the options you have. Maybe you can say, hey, I can give $10 a month. Above and beyond my tithes and offerings, I'll give $10 a month. That's $120 a year. Or $50 a month, or 100 or 250 Some of you give much more than that, and I thank you for that. Our missionaries thank you for that. And so you say, well, why do you guys know this? Why, why do you guys want to know what I'm going to give? I'm going to tell you why we, tell, why we need to know. It's something called a budget. You guys know what a budget is? Here's how a budget works. You set it, and then you stay within it, all right? You know, that's what we're going to do. So what we do is every year... I ask, we ask our congregation to tell us what the God is leading them to give throughout the year. Then at the end of the services this week, we take that, we add it up, we get a number, and then we tell our missionaries, this is what we're going to work with this year. All right? So we all come together. We all make a commitment, small, large, and then we throughout the year systematically give. So when you give your tithes and offerings, that's designated tithes and offerings, and then you would say, I'm giving this, this month specifically, for missions that's how we do it that's how John eats you know no it's true man it's absolutely true once again that's how I eat my clothes you pay for for your gifts your tithes and offerings the food I eat and if you need a shirt I'll give it to you you know Maybe you want to give a one-time gift, you can write that down as well. Maybe you're sitting here today and you go, I don't know, I need to pray about this. Well, there's a QR code right there. And you can, after you prayed, go to the QR code and it'll call it up. We would ask that even by this Wednesday, if you could let us know, because we really are, we're putting a real budget together for real work. And we'd like you to be a part of it. Having said all of that, I want to give you time to think about it. If you can, put your name, your phone number, And what you think the Lord's leading you. It's faith commitment. No one's going to ask you for this. Something may happen. You may be unable to meet what you thought you could. And that's okay. No one's going to ask you. It's just to set our budget. But while we're doing that, what I want to do real quick is I want you to see a video from our missionaries about what they're doing from our generosity, your generosity. So let's see this video and just think about what the Lord might be asking you to give to our missionaries. Let's watch the video.
0: This is Jack and Prina, serving in Japan with the IMB. Jared Nelms here with the Timothy Initiative. Uh, It's John Kluisterheis, here serving with Josiah Venture in the Czech Republic.
1: My name is Bruce. I work with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Hi, everyone. Chad and Meg here. Hi, I'm Reba Bowman with Dare for More Ministries, and we help women in crisis due to poverty, abuse, and human trafficking. My name is Gus Junior and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors at Reality Church Miami. And this is a church that we planted in the city of Miami about a year and a half ago. And God is
0: doing some amazing things through the church. At CMA, we train and
1: equip pastors and church leaders in the Caribbean. We facilitate mission teams who come down and spend their time in Honduras teaching and discipling our kids so that they grow up uh, and know about Jesus and know how to turn around then and share the gospel and make disciples with others.
0: It's, it's a joy to uh, engage with young people here and also help build uh, web systems that encourage discipleship all across our 350 missionary staff in 16 different countries.
1: Through storytelling here, we not only just tell a story, but we do SOAP's Bible study. We then move on to inductive Bible study and study theology and doctrine and always walk away with application. The Lord has worked through us to raise up Japanese disciples who are now opening up their home and leading the Bible study. In 2022, we were able to see over 32,000 churches planted around the world, which reached over
0: 400,000 new disciples here in the name of Jesus for the first time, most of them.
1: And just a few weeks ago, I had the wonderful privilege of sitting in a woman's home as she graduated from our baking program. She lives high up in the mountains of Guatemala and she was at a crisis point when we met her. She was thinking of taking her own life because her husband was abusing her and her children so badly.
0: For the last 20 years, we've been in Asia and all over Cambodia and India, pouring out our lives in the ministry. Silverdale thank you for being behind us and thank you for helping us and thank you silverdale baptist church without your participation without your partnership these language communities cannot gain access to jesus will you join us again this next year will you join us again this coming year well i hope this was helpful to you if while listening you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with jesus we would love to help you with that You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website.